This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Despite low unemployment and a robust economy in the U.S., a growing number of households are experiencing financial distress. Wharton real estate professor Benjamin Keyes has been looking at the factors fueling that trend. He's recently co-authored a paper titled, What Determines Consumer Financial Distress? Place and Person-Based Factors. Ben is here today to talk about his research. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for having me. So what inspired you and your co-authors to undertake this study? What, what questions were you trying to answer? I think we have a really limited understanding of just how widespread consumer financial distress is in the United States, and it's largely been uh, data limitations that have driven that lack of understanding. And we had the opportunity to examine an unprecedentedly large data set of consumer credit records from one of the large credit bureaus. And that gave us new insights into how widespread these problems really are. Yeah, you, you mentioned in your paper that, that that data came from TransUnion. And it was on uh, 35 uh, million individuals spanning 16 years, correct? It's a massive data set, 35 million individuals, uh, and we're getting anonymized credit records every month for 16 years. Wow. What metrics did you look for to determine what dis- what or how you would define distress? I mean, which could mean different things to different consumers, correct? Absolutely. So we tried to, to pick measures of financial distress that would be as broad as possible. So we were looking at things that didn't necessarily require um, a thorough credit check or full underwriting the way you would when you apply for a mortgage. We wanted a broader um, categorization of distress. And so we focused on things like having a debt in collections where That debt and collections could come from a range of different sources. It could come from uh, unpaid medical bills. It could come from um, potentially unpaid parking tickets. It could come from um, unpaid utility bills in some places. And so we wanted to get a more inclusive measure of distress that would um, sort of capture that broader set of challenges that folks face in paying their bills. So so home foreclosures and auto repossessions wouldn't fit into that? That range. That's right. And those were things that we could have looked at in this project, uh, but it became pretty sprawling already with the amount of data that we had. And so we focused in on, on three specific measures for the paper. One is looking at debt and collections. And so this is going to be an unpaid bill that goes to the collectors um, who then reach out to you by mail or by phone, come to your house and try to collect on that debt. Um, and those are usually an unsecured debt. So there isn't a house or a, or a car that's backing those debts. We looked at credit card uh, delinquency. So falling behind on a credit card um, because credit card ownership is widespread in the U.S. And then we looked at personal bankruptcy, which you can think of as a combination of all these different distress, me- distress measures. The, the difference here is that for personal bankruptcy, in some sense, it's a resolution of the financial distress rather than a falling into financial distress. Right. Now, in your paper, you discuss that you use what you call a mover's research design in your study. Can you explain what that is and why that's important in this context? Yeah. So we were inspired to use uh, a mover's research design because we looked at some of the maps of just plotting the simple averages of these distress measures across different counties in the United States and different commuting zones. You can think of those as metropolitan areas. And those are all in the paper. I encourage folks to take a look at the maps because they are pretty striking. And what we saw was stark geographic differences across the country. So for something like debt and collections, we found that a third of all household, of all consumers with a credit 
score uh, have a debt in collections. Uh, but that varies widely from one region to the other. So in the upper Midwest states, so think of the Dakotas, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, only 24% of consumers have a debt in collections. In the Deep South, in contrast, 44% of consumers have a debt in collections. And so those really jumped off the, the page at us. And we thought about ways to disentangle the the drivers of those differences. Is this something about the place itself, like local state laws or local practices in lending or debt collection? Um, or is this something more about the people? And that, so that's what the movers uh, strategy allows us to do. And what the, how the mover strategy works, uh, the movers research design works, is um, think about someone who moves from, say, the upper Midwest, Minnesota, where default rates are low, to the deep south, say, Georgia, where default rates are high and distress rates are high. Do we see behaviors change when they move from one place to the other? And if we see behaviors change sharply, then we think that it's being driven by place, that it's something about the location where they live, whether that's the state laws, whether that's local lending practices, maybe that's social norms in that community. If we don't see behavior change very much, then we think that these behaviors are sort of sticky on an individual level, and it's something that folks carry with them no matter where they live. And that might be financial literacy, that might be trust in banks, that might be wealth, um, that might also be habits that they've formed earlier in life. So now you mentioned some of the geographic disparities that you discovered. Uh, were there were there some others, and, and did any of these really surprise you? Yeah, well, the bank the differences in bankruptcy across the country are, are sort of staggering. If you look at bankruptcy filing rates, and not just the level of filing, but the decision to file Chapter Seven versus Chapter Thirteen, those are two different uh, ways in which households can resolve uh, outstanding debts. Chapter Seven allows them to liquidate their outstanding debts. Uh, for a fresh start, Chapter 13 provides a repayment plan. Um, but the patterns are very different state to state in terms of who uses which type of uh, of resolution process. And that doesn't align perfectly with this sort of upper Midwest, deep South split. Um, some states like Tennessee have especially high Chapter 13 filing rates, um, but other states um, seem to not follow that pattern. So we were sort of struck by um, how strong those differences were across region in, in filing for bankruptcy. Well, this gets us into the question of place versus person-based factors that fuel these things. I mean, is it is it local laws or place-based factors that, that create these kinds of situations, or is it person-based? And, and so what, what kinds of factors did you look at for both of those categories, and, and what did you find? Yeah, so the, the first big takeaway from our movers analysis is that individual characteristics seem to be the main determinants of whether you get into financial distress. So looking at our measures of debt and collections or falling behind on your credit card, uh, where you live doesn't seem to explain much of that. Um, and, and the way that you, you can sort of tease that apart is as you watch someone move, say, from Minnesota to Georgia, how much does their behavior converge? The answer is not very much. Those kind of um, financial distress proxies uh, don't seem to budge a whole lot. Now, they're not zero, so it, we can reject zero um, statistically, which is, uh, which is interesting. It means there's still something about the place that matters. But the place-based factors seem to determine whether you use bankruptcy to get out and specifically which chapter of using bankruptcy. And so the, the measures that we find for bankruptcy are on the order of 25% to a third of the variation can be explained by these place-based factors. In other words, if you move to um, a place with a high bankruptcy rate, you're now more likely to file for bankruptcy. And that may be a function of 
um, of the local legal networks and local lend- local lending practices. Um, but we also think that there may be an explanation there that's related to information. Can you so can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So. One of the ways in which we were thinking about testing for an information story was looking at um, different patterns for whether you move from a low distress to a high distress place versus a high distress to a low distress place. In other words, if you know something about the bankruptcy process, is that something that you carry with you? And one of the interesting things that we find is an asymmetry in the size of the effects when we're looking at Chapter 13 filing. So if you move from a low bankruptcy place to a high bankruptcy place, you move from Minnesota to Georgia, you have a big increase in the likelihood of filing for Chapter 13 bankruptcy. If you move from Georgia to Minnesota, you don't have a large decrease in moving from Georgia to Minnesota. And so our interpretation of that is that there's some knowledge that you've gained from having lived in Georgia, having seen your peers, maybe family and friends file for bankruptcy, and you bring that with you. And that's a pattern that folks have seen and used as a test of information stories in a lot of other contexts, including things like who files for the earned income tax credit. So we thought that pointed to uh, a story that's related to um, to social norms and the power of of local networks and in, in providing some information about how to um, get out of financial distress. So, so how did um, economic uh, upheavals like the financial crisis sort of factor into your analysis? Yeah, we expected to see um, a pretty large cycle in terms of financial distress, especially with the depths of the financial crisis. And what you see is a big shift in the levels. And so you see a rise in financial distress. And just to put a fine point on that, about 5% of all consumers with a credit record filed for personal bankruptcy between 2008 and 2015. So this was a really traumatic financial event for a lot of households. What we didn't see is thinking about the geography of, of this um, patterns in financial distress. We didn't see big shifts in the geography. And, the, and that sort of struck us as, um, as surprising that we thought that, well, we'll expect to see big changes in the sand states where they had the biggest booms and busts in, in house prices and foreclosures. But for our measures of financial distress that, that we analyzed, um, they actually look to be quite persistent across space over time. Okay. So, so what, what would you say are the key takeaways of your research for policymakers or even for consumers? Yeah, I think there, there's clearly a role here for, for more research to understand exactly why the, the individual characteristics seem to be so important and trying to unpack those individual characteristics. I think part of the story is simply um, a lack of an ability to measure the level of wealth inequality in this country. And I think some of our measures of financial distress are simply a proxy for having very low levels of wealth and maybe in addition having low levels of wealth in your personal network. And so if you're going to fall behind on a a medical bill um, and that's going to reach the collections agency, um, you probably don't have the savings to, to pay it off. And maybe your family and friends don't have those savings to pay it off either. And so I think this sheds some light on um, the degree of wealth inequality in the U.S. in ways that are often difficult to measure. And I think that points to um, a range of questions about for policymakers. One is thinking about medical collections practices. One of the things we do find is a larger place-based effect for medical collections relative to non-medical collections and, and understanding this broader ongoing debate in the current um, presidential campaign about Medicare for all and other ways in which we can alleviate some of the burdens related to, to terrible um, negative health shocks. So I think that's a, a, a natural starting point. I think another implication of our work for policymakers is 
um, that these person-based characteristics may be difficult to, um, to, to modify. Um, and it doesn't look like local state laws and things are, are really crucial in, in driving these levels of financial distress. And so we need to focus in on unpacking this um, somewhat of a black box that we've uncovered in terms of the individual characteristics. It's, it's a difficult thing to unpack, and we feel like we've made progress just doing this decomposition between person and place. But understanding how much of this is habit formation that maybe developed um, in youth and, and trying to understand um, whether this is related to, to education and the quality of education and whether this is related to trust in banks. I think there's much more to be done to point policymakers towards um, changing individual behaviors and, and sort of better informing consumers of some of the risks of, um, of falling behind on your bills. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for speaking with us about your research today, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, you can read more about Ben's research on knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on your favorite podcast player. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.